Split Equity Podcast and Streaming Show, Pragmatic Entrepreneurial Advice with Dick Jokes. I'm your host, Law Smith, co-hosting with me, dancing to the oldies, sitting to my right, your left on the tube, Eric Redinger. The tube. Yeah. Hashtag girthy ROI, hashtag 69 B2B, that's how you help friends to help your business. Hashtag sweat equity. We are the number one. You'll fall asleep. No. I'm just taking pregnant pauses, baby. Num- we are the number one comedy business podcast out there. Because there are none. Right. There. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. We got the 100% market share. That's what I'm saying. And what are we, the 2020? Uh, oh, yeah. Lux Magazine Best Podcast? That, no, hold on. Are you reading that? No, I don't have it in oh. front of me. I'm, no, it was something different. Yeah, it was, it was the Lux best podcast. Mag- we're the best business podcast. Best business. Oh, best business small, mid-sized enterprise level co- oh, yeah. business podcast. Number one. Number one. We won an award. Business SME podcast. Very important award. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> this podcast. Did you come in? <laughs> that's how you become number one. It's really just a trophy company scam that I want to do a whole episode on that whole scam. Yeah. Uh, We'll buy a trophy though on our own and put get that lettering on there. We still Turn won. out the email. We still fucking stay won. focused. All right, ads. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty best small speed business pocket. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Grasshopper. Try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. Get you $75 off an annual plan. What's Grasshopper, you say? It's a business phone line, scalable business phone line. You can have the app on your phone. You don't need two phones like an old school drug dealer. Uh, you can get an app on your desktop like I do because I like texting from my keyboard. Trygrasshopper.com forward slash sweat. It's $75 off an annual plan. That is an eighth of weed and then some for a lot of people. Eighth and a half? Yeah. Give them that value out. That's all I'm saying. Maybe. This show's about added value, baby. Trygrasshopper.com forward slash sweat. It's just 75 bones off an annual phone plan. Don't be a jabroni. Uh, have a business phone line and make sure it's not a Google voice number. That is recipe for bad branding, bad marketing. Our feature sponsors, ExpressVPN, Virtual Private Network. Don't get tracked by Big Bro, man. Don't have your... Or log into other countries if you're in a, if you're a jet setter. You're someone who works from another country, needs to get into the U.S. IP addresses. Try expressvpn.com forward slash sweat. Get you three months free on an annual plan to get that virtual private network, that computer in the sky. And lastly, Warby Parker, warbyparkertrial.com forward slash sweat. I'm putting on my Warby Parker. Wow. They fit my horse head. I look like John Elway in a Coors commercial from the 90s, and my Warby Parkers look good on my horse head. They'll look good on yours. Sunglasses, eyeglasses, prescription. Just type it in with your little paws. Get that prescription in there. Or hooves. Or hooves. You don't like the five free pairs to try on at home from the WarbyParkerTrial.com first slash sweat? URL? Send them back and five more. Let's get this show started. Oh, really? Howdy, okay. What about my sweat equity? Sweat equity. Yeah, man, we'll just get right into it. It's good to see your face. Okay. It's been a while, huh? 
It's been how long? Probably a couple of years now. At least, yeah. So for the yeah. listeners, viewers, uh, Ro and I had a weird friendship of running into each other outside of my office, my old agency office, while you were doing some consulting. I don't remember how we started talking, but you were helping the restaurant that was downstairs, the bar ah. restaurant. And then we just started talking, and then we'd have these crazy, like, uh, scrum 15-minute, 20-minute, like, intense small talks, and then see you later. Because we're both, like, just running around. Is that about right? Is my memory? I think that's about right. That's about right. I got to meet uh, a bit of your family, and I got to learn that you're a comedian. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fun. Good times. Well, I think it helps. I think it helps just a lot of people are like, how, what is that like doing stand up and kind of having the normal, like kind of businessy uh, consulting advisory kind of role. And it's like, they're both kind of like, you just sit there and you can't not observe things. Right. And then it makes you mad. Did you actually say something funny or did you tell them you were a stand up? Oh, I definitely told him. I didn't. He, oh, okay. He, he, he told me he, while he was flexing his muscles, he was making jokes and saying he was a former footballer oh, as well. Okay. So yeah, he, yeah. he was trying to win my win my heart. He right. To, and know. then you found out it was American football. <laughs> exactly. And I was yeah, like, I, was I like, love like, cricket uh, with its yeah, <laughs> the cricket ball and things. And how you they didn't talk wickets. about your your power bottom wickets. or anything? No. Oh, you mean the leg power? Did you drop that in? All the powers from the legs? Yeah, did you drop that in if there? If I was a gay man, I'd be a great power bottom. Yeah. Did that's you, right. I think you, you, actually, that's the first thing you said to me. And I was, just, I was just trying to ask you, what would you like to have a drink, you know? <laughs> I probably said, I wish I was gay. My life would be a lot easier, I feel like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, I would. Think about it. We, you play Sega <laughs> and then, you know, wrestle fuck <laughs> to see who's on top, you know? Yeah. Good times. Um, okay. So you're like, well, this interview, I can't use we this last on anything two else. two minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can cut it out. Ain't no thing. Uh, <laughs> we can cut it out. I ain't cutting. Mm. Um, what's it called? We can splice stuff out. We can repurpose something if you, if you prefer. We, I've been a, on a big tip about that. But, uh, you know. I'm taking myself off social media uh, just before this interview, so none of my friends will know that I even exist, and they'll just, you know, they won't see this. Hopefully. Well, you kind of don't exist then. If you're not on social. I mean, I'm a if it's not there. It doesn't count. I'm the perfect exactly. booker for this show. I just try to find people with no online presence. <laughs> really grow the audience. Well, your your work is kind of exemplary. You you have one of you've created one of the speakeasies in our area, in Tampa. We have listeners outside the area. But, um, sure. you know, it's one of those things where uh, you're kind of a speakeasy bar consultant of sorts because you're not out there self-promoting like some of the other guys I see. Are you a big person on uh, good work begets more work kind of theory? It, it, yes, that. And um, there's, a bit, there's another bit of it. I don't know. I would say the other side of it is that I'd like all the projects I get involved in to succeed. And that means that I have to really understand and respect and want to work with like-minded individuals. And when you expose, and you probably, I don't, I'm probably not as gifted with working with everyone um, in personalities and stuff. So I have to really gel well with, with the, uh, 
with the clients, I guess, or my partners. And um, so when you blanket market yourself and everyone can find you, which that's one once or twice people have found me on LinkedIn from like upstate New York in Catskills. And it's like, I really can't help you with that, um, you know, strip joint that you have. Uh, <laughs> with no, there's no like, there's nothing else around there. And that's not really what I do. Although, tell me more about this uh, strip joint, you know. But um, <laughs> you know, definitely uh, give me free passes and yeah, things. Like, so how how does everyone get there? Facetime uh, me in whenever you know the A. What's the address? I mean, I don't, I can't work with you, but what's the address again? First thing is maybe get rid of all the dancers with the C-section scars. Uh, <laughs> maybe you should be a consultant. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I feel now. I'm I'm in my head. I'm pitching a show. It's the reverse of uh, of. Bar Rescue. Bar I'm Rescue. Like, oh, I knew it. But I love Bar Rescue so much. John Taffer, Man Crush Hall of Fame. For me, um, I've, yeah, I've got a Man Crush Hall of Fame. Uh, Bo Jackson's. he leads the clubhouse. I'm not surprised at that. I'm just and surprised John else's. Taffer makes it. I, you know. Yeah, because he actually he knows his show's corny. The information he does give out is very interesting. He, he'll drop some, like, you know, your your – your metric a lot of the time for a bar is uh, sales per f- uh, seat, right? Like that's a good metric because it's yeah. basically boiling down square footage anyway. Um, you know, most, most service businesses, they'll do price per square or sales per square foot uh, right. as a good metric to see how healthy the business is. Um, for a bar, it's a little different because it, you have a, a weird capacity. I also learned the 80-20 rule. You want 20% people coming back all the time to drink, your, your regulars, and you want 80% kind of turnover because it, too much either way is bad uh, because if you get all regulars, it's not going to keep the bar open. You get too much churn. You don't have any consistency. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I thought you, you nailed it. And actually a lot of the uh, – not a lot of – the success of a bar is actually on that 80-20 rule. I mean, 80% of all your money is coming 20% of the time that you're open. So you just have to, rather than focus on a dead Monday and put your marketing dollars and focus all your energy trying to maybe build up a new night like a Monday, you're better off actually building more opportunities while you have all your staff there um, to kind of tackle an earlier part of a busier night rather than trying to tackle reinventing a new night you know so, if, so that, i think if i had a bar right now you're saying don't try to reinvent the wheel there's still enough market share audience share out there on a friday and saturday night try to do that i way. agree yeah i agree but um i mean that's a little bit more that's a that's a loaded question because what uh, yeah i guess it's, know, it's tough because you're you're i know you're thinking about each sector and location yeah, matters and exactly stuff like but no but for example to, to your point you're there on a friday and you've got all your staff, you should really be looking at, well, how are we missing opportunities? Are people being able to get to the bar to get a drink? You know, how are they waiting five minutes for a drink or 10, 20 minutes? Just find an extra body for those two hours to be in the right place. You've already got the team lined up. You've already got the audience that is there. Just, you know, try to you know limit the, uh, the time it takes to get the second drink or the third drink, you know, or get people through the door quicker like you said with the uh the seats the seat time by having an extra body in the right place in the right you know see i that kind of to me that goes to like the uh know what you're good at you know the same way we took the personality test and it said you're good at this 
focus on that. Asher Strand. Right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. That's the end. That's yeah, all I, I mean, I was talking to a friend that I, I kind of, uh, she's a little bit younger. She does uh, kind of digital consulting. And she's asking me about, you know, this thing I was doing over the summer where I was uh, doing custom video and stuff. And, like, the, it's kind of a new tactic, really. It's like I would custom make videos in, as a legion thing. And she was asking me about that. And I go, well, what are you, why, why are you getting there? I know you just got a new kind of big client. I mean, the first thing, I, and I have to remind myself this all the time, you want to do the cool new shiny tactic and you want to do something to put your stank on it. But really the best thing to do, and you tell me if this is how you look at it, is what do you do well? Let's milk the shit out of that, right? Absolutely. And just become better at that rather yeah. than, you know, I guess it's like for me, my, my style of creating space and bar programs is the, exper the experiential kind of thing. Uh, where you kind of like submersive, well, not just the drinks, but it's the music, it's the ambience, uh, obviously the food, what the menus look like, what the what the staff look like, and um, you just keep focusing on that that, that you're good at. You know, um, don't try to go for the easier option. I guess of like, okay, well, this shit's hot right now, so let's go go do this. It doesn't, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate. To always just keep finding the next fad or uh, mm -hmm. niche niche product. Yeah, I remember you know. that molecular, what was that stuff called, the molecular food thing? That was molecular gastronomy. So, like, that's a great example. So cool. People but, find yeah. that. Go ahead. No, people find that, and that's a beautiful thing. It's great artistry and chemistry. Well, you, you know, you'd have to be Grant Ackett's in Chicago with, like, 50 people in a kitchen to pull that off over 48 hours before it even gets to the table. People want that experience, Um they want to go, oh, I'd like to adapt that to my restaurant or bar. Well, that's fine, but you, do, you have, do you have 50 people in the kitchen that are qualified to do that? Do you, will you spend all that time and labor to put that together? You know, so there's a, there's a, you know, there's, there's a trade-off to like wanting to do new cool things and actually investing in people and time and money. And sometimes, like you said, going back to that 80-20 rule, it just, you're just going to spend a lot of energy learning something that's not going to be perfect or not perfect. It's not going to be like you wanted it. Yeah, uh, you know, what What metrics would you use, just a blanket general? Do you have any benchmark metrics that you kind of live by as, like, these are kind of what I see uh, no matter what kind of as a bar or restaurant kind of success measurements? Oh, man, that's different because we live in Florida. It could oh, be anything. Oh, you really? Know? So you have, I mean, yeah. you have international kind of uh, background. I mean, you have Bahamas, you had like Virgin Airlines, which so that could be the sky. Uh, you wow. had Sydney, Australia, a lot of, you have a, a, a really interesting kind of resume that's all over the world. And obviously, you know, your accent, you're from Texas. No, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, uh, oh, my reverse uh, John Taffer show is just, you just go around and politely help people. You don't yell at him. Oh. He does politely not help them. Right? Yeah, politely we, sabotage their bar. We put it after Downton Abbey or something. You know, I, I don't. I don't know what it is about John Taffer, but most people in the restaurant industry that are actually um, do that for for a living too, and and then there's bartenders in in this industry and managers and everyone. They don't really think a lot of what he says. At least in the first, I think four or five series. Was uh, was any kind of worth of information other than you know, uh, 
you got to get the staff to not drink booze, you know, yeah. <laughs> while they're working. You got to clean the kitchen. I mean, it's all kind of obvious shit. But um, but I think recently, actually, I'm not not going to knock him, but I think he got more into the site, or at least the production company put a lot more f- emphasis on actually um, putting the science into it, which is you're talking about the metrics, for example. Yeah, he um, he, he would throw them in there, but it definitely changed. It definitely changed into a, a little bit more professional kind of thing. It was definitely like super reality show cooked, you know, no pun intended, but like it was very <laughs> produced, very much like a, a cheesy reality show. And he, he, ginned, I was he ginned it up a bit, you know, uh, he knew what he was doing, but the, the reason he yells at everybody and the reason I didn't, I don't really like having bar and restaurant clients unless they're a group or like a franchise group or have a lot of experience like success already is because that personality type sucks. Like that show will always have people to have on because a lot of people do the, remember in college, every guy you knew was like two businesses for every friend, you, every guy friend you had in college, one t-shirt company, right? We should do a t-shirt <laughs> company, bro. We should do, I still want to do it, but uh, I still, I still might do both. We were I'm literally just, talking about doing our t-shirts like two days ago. No, I'm, I don't know I know, about, I'm just saying, you know, but it, it's every too. dude that you're friends with in college is like, bro, t-shirts were funny, man. We can, we can do some funny we're stuff. Fu- right? We're special. Right. And then the our other shirts one, are funnier. the other one's bar, uh, uh, open a bar. We like beer. We like <laughs> booze. Like not knowing any of the math behind it or anything, just like, real, what I about know, the math? I like though? having a good time. Uh, you know, I'm a good host when we have people over for a party. You know, like yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it draws people in. Also, a lot of people start a, a, a small business. They're really good at one part, um, and I feel like the bar restaurant has the it's never being a business owner. Well, it's, yeah. Oh, I'm a great bartender. I'm a great. Pe- I should own this place. I make an awesome pizza. I suck at everything else. Right. When I open a business, because <laughs> there's a bit of ego there that won't let you go. I should maybe look into these other things, or just, you know, I'm so good at this thing, everything else will fall into place. Which is, I think, how usually a lot of people do it. So he's trying to break down that personality type that's got. It's the undoing project of sorts. Do you find yourself? You find, I bet you don't have that a whole lot. The guys that from the upstate New York strip club, those are the guys that are like that, I assume. I assume you don't yeah. work with that personality type no. so much. Yeah, so yeah, not having, going back to the original question, not having a, a presence like a website, not pitching, not, not, not going out to get the business, if you like, um, like sending messages to strangers and stuff, which is good. Like that's, that's a, That serves a purpose in some other place. Uh, but for me... Um, the reason I don't do that is because I'll, I'll experience what you just said. Like I need, I need a referral. Someone goes, man, we just had this guy, he did this, this, and this, you might want to listen to him. And they like that person that they're listening to say that. So they're like, Oh, we'll give him a chance. So when they meet me. It's, it's a different kind of conversation from the minute we meet. It's like, it is literally consultative. It's like, well, we both know that we need something out of this. And I'm not going to talk about the money. I'm really want to understand about what you need from it. And then I actually like you know sometimes I'll say, look, man, you can just do this and this, and I'll I'll say, but you can't. You don't need necessarily need a, a consultant either. You've got some easy things that you could lean into. Is maybe find a new manager. And actually, the, the some of the things, the hardest thing you might say is, so you might need to go back into your restaurant because sometimes. Um, people are really successful with a restaurant and then they walk away from it. And then 10 years later, 
you know, they, they're coming back into it and they're like, man, this thing's really struggling. But it, the mojo's missing from the space because the owner's not there. Sure, you sure, know? yeah. So you got to kind of like tell them, man, you just have to get back into your own space, man. And I also don't normally work with places that are already open uh, because of that. There's just too much going on in there, man. I mean, it's not me. I'm not the taffer. Actually, I can be the taffer. I can scream at people. So I'd rather not get my, put myself in a situation where I'm just going to be, like, arguing with people. Right. Because you can't change them, like you said, you know. Yeah. Um, I think the the rate of which those owners on that show, and I, we don't have to talk about the show the whole time, but, like, the rate at which it is a good kind of jumping off point, though, for, I think, a lot of people listening. It's a good reference for me. It, it, it <laughs> puts me in a good frame of mind. They end up changing the brand back like two thirds out of the time. Like, yeah, yeah. like something yeah. crazy. Everything's back to normal. <laughs> like, I know what I'm doing. Right. I just embarrassed myself on national TV. This yeah. guy just showed me, showed everybody I'm in $600,000 worth of debt. Right. But I know better. I think, right? That, yeah, I think what Rose's doing is way harder than what Taffer's. I mean, you and I can go into a restaurant and say, well, this part sucks and this part sucks. Yeah. I'm not busting out any metrics to help them out, but I mean, picking things apart is way easier than building it from zero. Yeah. I you, agree. I totally agree with you. How do you. Yeah, how do you mitigate making those errors in the planning stage like that? Is it just experience times knowledge equals wisdom? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. I think, I think the first thing I've learned, like, you know, and I'm learning too. Like, I'm always learning. So started consulting maybe uh, when I was 22, 23. First restaurant I consulted on at 23, I thought I knew everything. Um and I bankrupted the place, and it went out of business. Wow. And it, I was like, fuck, did I just do that <laughs> to someone? And um, luckily, it was his, not his first business. And it, he ended up next door, he had another restaurant. So he just folded in that space to his other restaurant. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world for him, I think. But it could have, I mean, I still like, I felt I, I hugely responsible for my bravado and bullshit in, in like not taking it seriously enough to keep, you know, to, to have two ears to one mouth. So like, I'm still learning my profession, um, but it's, you know, it's, I don't know, 20 years later, um, there are metrics to it. So the first thing is, what do you need to make from this, this space? You know, what is your rent? What do you need to make from it? Because they have ideas of, uh, I want to do this and this, and you just go, okay, well, we need to fill so many seats up. Each person needs to spend $35, blah, 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 whatever you know. Um, and then you'll, this is, then we have to work into like, so now we need a menu item that's $20 or $13 or whatever, because a lot of, I think this is where I come into it. I like to believe that from day one, when we open, they're not needing to wait six months to a year to realize they're actually, uh, you know, the P and L's aren't right. You know, mm -hmm. they've just spent six months working which is knackering, you know, all the energy it took to open up, and they realized they're not making a profit because they didn't chart, they didn't price out the, the ingredients or the menu correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't they didn't realize how many staff they needed. Um, they didn't know that they, you know, oh shit, we have to pay for the uh, meet, uh, social media. We have to pay for uh, <laughs> for the DJ or whatever whatever it yeah. might be. Yeah. And then so I try to get all that lined up early enough before they actually open. And the goal is actually let, let's make sure. Listen, if your space needs to charge people 100 bucks a, uh, a person, then we have to create a menu for that. Mm -hmm. But if you've got, like, an outdoor patio area, it's a beach bar, 
it's all about the volume and turning as quick as possible. So we don't want to clutter it up with fancy cocktails. Yes, yes, you approach me because you want fancy cocktails. But believe me, if I, we get into the fancy thing, you're not making money because your space is really designed for a huge patio, fun party experience. And you could be a millionaire or you could just be sitting on, you know, a, a place that will never, you know, will never let you, uh, you know, get to where you want to in life because we just, we just didn't, we didn't create the right product. Yeah. Would it be fair to say you are, you know, consultant is a word that's very elastic now. I, I would call you more of an advisor. Uh, What's the difference? Because uh, you can be well, a Rodan and Fields consultant, um, but advisor usually aligns with like financial advisor and, and smarter people. That's all. I, I mean, that's, that's how my brain thinks. But I'm saying I would say you are that pure old school consultant style. Would it be fair to say you're basically writing a business plan with them? They don't know that you're Absolutely. writing it. Yeah, exactly that. Because, I mean, that, all you're doing, like you're talking about cost analysis and cost accounting and pro formas of sale and, you know, what's your nut? Okay, what do you got to pay back? What, you know, let's do some simple math on this and reverse engineer maybe. Okay, Absolutely. we kill it. You know, we kill it this first year. What does that actually mean in terms of X, Y, and Z? Um, and then, you know, let's start with our best foot forward. Something you mentioned early uh in this show was it sounds like you, you're pretty good at getting the right staff in. And I feel like turnover for a lot of restaurants is the secret killer. It's not, I mean, it's because you have to just onboard someone new all the time. And maybe you don't have the playbook developed as you're going to, because it's just, you gotta, uh, it's like, and you mentioned this too, which I, I found interesting up front. You mentioned it. I've only got a limited time capacity to really crush sales. Yeah. Like I always think of that like wasted kind of space. Are we lose you? Uh oh. You there? We lost Roe. He's out. Anyways, well, you were saying I was saying like I think about the comedy club model, right? A lot because just because I'm in there all the time. And it's like, oh, you gotta make your nut on there it is. On um oh. I blame Zoom. Making your nuts, keep going. Uh, Make your well, I'm gonna reset. I'm gonna re, uh, reset the table. <laughs> uh, we lost you for I'm a second. I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm so sorry. It's all good, man. It's all good. Um, I was. Uh, I'm gonna reset the table, as it were. <laughs> um, but uh, soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, uh, one thing you brought up is the time capacity restraints you have. You only have a few nights, at, sometimes as a restaurant, maybe some lunch. If you're doing those two, you're probably not doing breakfast. So it's like you got certain time of the – you got like, what did you say, 20% of the week sometimes to make your nut, right? Yeah. So that, that's where everyone's there. 20, I would, yeah, 20% of all the – yeah. So that, that's, why the, that's why the bar and restaurant business is a little crazy because you're basically like from the top down, there's an anxiety that maybe you just kind of – Everybody's worked at a bar or restaurant where you can kind of feel it. It's palpable. This guy's like, we gotta, we gotta turn people over. We gotta get, you know, we gotta get a, a new. Are table. you being the manager? Of yeah, the, the okay, owner I didn't manager. Know what part that's like, playing. but you feel it. The palp that palpable energy can go down to your staff a lot of the time, and it makes them fuck up. Yeah. Um, at least me. 
the bar biz is a, the restaurant business. If you like, you said restaurant versus bar. That's two different things. But it's so weird because yeah, like when you speak to developers, related, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but when you're talking like say like for another industry like a developer with property, and you tell them your return, uh, at the gold standard of a restaurant return is is like twelve percent or fifteen percent, and they're like, why the fuck are you doing this? You know, because you know there's very few businesses where you you know you put your heart and soul into it and your 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 rate of return is like like why are you putting that energy into it you know what i mean because like there's so like you say that 20 percent is like a huge risk isn't it you know and uh yeah. it's not like other industries where you can kind of like residual income or you know things are happening in the background while you're sleeping you know do yeah. you find it's or a you... lot of people that it, they've kind of just always worked at a bar and they just have adapted even that lifestyle of just staying up late waking up late. Right. like i feel like a lot of people they start there and then they just kind of stay there because it's it's a huge swing for them personally to change that up to go to a nine to five or whatever do you see that a lot yeah, I think, you think that yeah true? well so it's a double-edged sword in america because in america you know everyone gets paid in the restaurant business through their tips if you like and uh you know it's a it can be a really healthy living for a lot of people like it's not unusual or uncommon before COVID to make fifty to $70,000 in a restaurant, you know, working four days a week or four nights a week, working six hours, you know, of those days. So trying to transition that into, like, as your body takes its toll on your body, you're like, oh, shit, maybe I should get into a day job. And I also want a family and a lifestyle change. The weekends I'd like with my friends and family. Well, you just now, how do you, like, who's going to, what are you doing to make the same income? And I think that's when the penny drops and you're like, oh, shit, I need to do something. But then you're like, I think I'll become a real estate agent, you know, <laughs> because right, that's right, going to yeah, like yeah. the next segue, I think. No offense, real estate agents. <laughs> Daytime but, um, bartender. No, but <laughs> yeah. the, the real estate agents don't like the ones that aren't serious about it either. You know, like they don't like mm -hmm. anybody coming into their field thinking it's just a fallback job. Absolutely. Uh, that yeah. when you're really good at it and you're really diligent, like, they hate those wannabe real estate agents, you know? Um, yeah, well, luckily, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I say, well, luckily, I think you can see that very quickly, can't you? When you're trying to, you ever trying to buy a house or you're trying to rent out something or sell something, you, you kind of see that very quickly, I think, you know, with who would you rather list your house with or your apartment with, you know? Yeah, my theory now is it, it, half the job used to be finding a spot for you. Uh, and now that's kind of evened out. Everybody has the same access to information. You know, no one really has yep. to jump on it. So really it's about, you know, walking through contracts and being able to walk through houses and stuff and point out shit. You know, work on, yeah. work on the deal part to me. I, I feel like that's, that's most of the job now if you're good, you know. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, in the COVID era, we, we may go through a national, you know, second wave of shutting down. I, God, I hope not. I think the economic uh, impact is having way worse effects than the actual, like death-wise or just depression-wise. Than the by the way, that's based on nothing. Nothing, just based on your feelings. No yeah. real science or I, that's why I said, know, I research. Think, but I think that's I feel. Opinion, I feel. And I don't know. I feel like it's a lot. It, the economic impact has that uh, indirect effect that's worse than probably the death count. Uh, just feeling-wise. Anyway. Uh, no, I, you know, it's funny, we're, we're live, we live in Florida here, and uh, I'll say it live, uh, or at least to you guys, I'm actually quite a socialist in so many ways, 
in my life uh, growing up in London, uh, coming from like my father was working class, my mum was uh, working class too. So I, I've always wanted to like, I've always believed in like sort of like, I guess true socialist values of schooling and healthcare and blah, blah, blah. Um, but push comes to shove, like, I don't know if I'd like to live anywhere else right now than Florida because like, this is what it's taught me a lot is that I'm actually quite centrist because I want to have an opportunity to actually feed myself, have a roof over my head. And I want that choice. I'm not saying, Oh man, it's such a difficult thing. And I'm not talking about the, the science of it. Like you talked about, I'm just, my own gut feeling is me, me personally it has nothing to do with the sadness that's going wrong. It's like, I'd rather have an option to survive or not. Right. And, um, I think we're really lucky here that we have that option yeah. Yeah. I think that's simultaneously both more progressive and conservative of a viewpoint than both sides, really. Well, the, yeah. the choice is, you know, that's America. You have the choice. If you uh, steal an apple, they're not going to chop your hand off. You're going to have consequences, but it's not the end of, like, it's not a 10. Like, there's, you know, there's nuance to it. That's what, what's beautiful. What would you say to someone trying to start a restaurant now? Any advice in the COVID era? Just blanket advice. Could, this shows uh, it can be small. It can be something pragmatic, like check no, out this it, site. It, it, yeah, um, it's actually a great time to start business. I know it sounds odd, no, but like I, it definitely we, is. We, we, yeah, we, we were high on the hog, like the way we were just before this. And man, it's just, you know, you just, you just, you know, you're making money. Everyone was kind of like okay, and. Um, it was hard to create new things because there's no space for, for young startups because why would I spend, if I'm a, if I'm a financer or a, or a, you know, if I have money uh, and I want to invest, I'm, I don't have to spend, I invest with a, a startup. I'm not even listening to you. You're not even on my radar because I'm putting my money like where this, this machine is rolling so fast. I don't have time to listen to you. even like trying to find a space. It was like, you'd have to be a millionaire and, you'd have to be very lucky to know the landlord to get the space. Now, this is just, it, you know, yes, it's a lot worse than the last recession, but it has a similar play plays where anyone can now knock on the door to a landlord and they'll listen. Uh, you'll now be able to negotiate a fairer term, uh, you know, because let's face it, since the last recession until just before March, I would say rent uh, for opening a restaurant or bar was ridiculous it was going so far um you know 20 20 percent of your sales would have uh, you'd have to put into your uh, to your rent you can't open a business like that you know there's margins have to be you know have to be achieved so the rent has to be decent and now you have an option so i'd say now go for it more than ever is probably have a go yeah Use the time i heard uh unemployment's back down pretty low to like six percent this morning uh as we're recording this i think at lowest ever lately was like four percent i think uh when big daddy donnie t was in no, uh, um <laughs> i just like throwing out trump is awesome just 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 to elicit a response no uh i i don't like him but i i think uh you know it's one of those things that in this era if you were kind of saving and really, the service industry is the one that got fucking jacked. It's different than a normal recession because yeah, we we saw exactly. like almost like manufacturing like was okay. Yeah, re retail and service industries are 
those are the ones that are really struggling, it feels like. Um, and so if you were waiting in the weeds to maybe open something, we've talked uh, on this show with power business attorney Stephen Fantetti about commercial, you know, commercial real estate might be the best time now to get in yep. the mix, whereas residential is the highest it's ever been uh, as far as trying to s- – they don't have enough inventory to sell on residential, but commercial is like – they can't keep anybody in these places a lot of the time now. Absolutely. On, on the on the restaurant lifestyle-y kind of sector. But in, and, I, and I'm, see, I'm seeing it's really healthy for uh, operators really seeing how, you know, were these landlords fair? Are these landlords future partners that you want to sign a, a, an agreement to for the next eight years? Because if they don't want to deal with you in a nice way now through the shitty time, you really don't want them as, you know, uh, you know, stakeholders of your success either for when you're, you know, because uh, they're just, you know, you just need to have really good landlords at this point and you have your pick now where you can see them more easier than before. That's interesting. That's like a, your landlord's kind of a, a a silent partner who doesn't really, you know, they have control, they have power, but not really any, anything having to do with your money. They lord over. Well, I mean, I say that, but yeah, right. It's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, do yeah, they do like they partner. make improvements too? This is just oh yeah, broad sweeping they stuff. Fix stuff for you when you need it fixed. Okay, you negotiated the TI down, you know, per square foot or whatever. But uh, you know, at the same time, are they going to do it? You know, or, or you know, you negotiated a great deal to get in there uh, on a ten-year lease with you know, uh, option at ten years or something like that. Are they going to follow through with the things in the contractors are going to be fucking paying the ass? Are they legit? Absolutely. You know, have they owned buildings before? Uh, that's a huge one because the big thing I'm sure when you're location searching is uh, parking, right? Mm. Yep. You think rideshare would clean up that issue, but the biggest thing when you're doing a like a you know a retail or service industry business is like how do you get enough parking spaces? That's the like the the real hard issue right most of the time uh here in florida I've, I've always found that interesting when i first landed here i was like wait so a bar needs a shit ton of parking because <laughs> you want people to drive there <laughs> i was like okay right. that makes sense you can't open a bar unless you have parking Bro, that, with yeah, the, the, the taxis growing up here like you try to get a taxi <laughs> drunk yeah. in high school or college and Just it was like smash six over and over again <laughs> eight one three six they'll be like we might come out and get you and you're like what <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And Call us people again every, in fifteen minutes, and then everybody'd be so impulsive. They'd be like, "Fuck it, I can drive." You know, like <laughs> yep, you know, exactly. Like, this is stupid. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, ironically, it is a big thing. I mean, we're, you know, Tampa. It has a lot of startup restaurant kind of chains here for a reason because we're the index city of the country. Uh, our population breakdown, you know, demographically is very much like the U.S. Um, you know, it's one of those things where starting. You know, started in Tampa. I'm not doing an ad for Tampa, but I, I would say Tampa Bay is good for that. Hooters, Checkers, uh, what else? Outback, Carabas, Bonefish Grill. What else you mm, want? Those last three, kind of. <laughs> They're all kind of the uh, same. Yeah. Um, Mailed it in. But uh, let me let me. Th- I got two more things, and then we'll let you go because we try to keep this, you know, around th- cool. 33 minutes or so. Uh, I've got. I'm going to pitch an idea I've got oh, to go. you. <laughs> Um, Sorry, well, man. here and it, it's gonna kind of get in this kind of world. I feel like if if I were to start a restaurant, I would be planning 
not to just start one right away. I'd plan on trying to get three because the economies of scale and your food, if you're doing food, you, it's perishable, right? So it's all about like, you've got this inventory that could, if you can kind of spread it out between locations, that, uh, I think PDQ, right, when they started, right? They didn't start with just one, I don't think. I think they started with a few. Um, Chick-fil-A's competitor, if people are outside the area. And so I feel like that, and that's what you want to get to when you own like a sit-down restaurant, a nicer restaurant, is you want to have several because the economy is a scale or and it, 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 that's where the margins get better and all that stuff. Yep. So here's the yep. pitch. And I pitched on the show before. It's, it's open source because I, I'm not a restaurateur, but someone's got to make, just like Taco Bell was back in the day, people thought Tex-Mex was a stupid drive through idea, right? Uh, you know, Cuban coffee. Cuban coffee. There we go. Cuban drive through I want an in-and-out, simplified menu. I want, I want, all, I want a, two things on the menu, Cuban bread and uh, coffee that are always a dollar under. That'll be your lead-in buy, right? But I, w- I want a simplified menu, get you through. Uh, Cuban food, you only need seven ingredients, so they just fucking use that over and over again, right? So all of them from pigs. Right. I mean, you're from socialist stuff because they had ration of certain right. foods. So you had to... You had to improvise, right? Oh, yeah. That's why, Absolutely, I mean, that's yeah. why they're awesome with a pig, because you give a Cuban guy a pig, he knows how to make it 40 different ways, right? Uh, Absolutely. And so it, it has that background, which to me plays into the business model of kind of a drive-through business. Now, if you do one, you got to do three, but coffee has a 90% markup. Now, anybody I brought to Tampa, any friend from outside the area that's had Cuban food and Cuban coffee is always like, fuck, this is good. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. I agree. Someone's going to do it. It won't be me, but uh, someone will do it and figure that out, I think. Maybe it'll be you. Uh, maybe I'll steal it because you didn't ask me to sign anything. Go for steal it. Steal it, it's please. Op- I said it's open source, man. Get him to stop talking about <laughs> it. What do, you, what do you think about that concept? Poke holes through that quickly. I think coffee is a terrible idea. <laughs> 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 yes. No. No, listen. That. You, you nailed it with the drive-through piece of it, though, because opening a coffee shop, it really doesn't probably make as much money as you think. Um, but having a drive-through concept, and the reason I say it's a good idea is because when when Uber Eats first started, and there was a few great sandwich shops in Tampa that uh, jumped on that in the mornings, I was so excited that uh, that I could get Cuban coffee, a decent, you know breakfast sandwich delivered to my house in the morning yeah Are you fucking kidding me yeah that was ridiculous shout ridiculous. out to west tampa sandwich show. oh yeah that's, Absolutely. Where, I, that's where my mind goes Ag- aguilos i think was another one that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's sure. awesome. yeah. yeah but yeah it's a good concept good idea oh okay. oh man so you turned it around yeah i'll be hearing yeah. about this for another 10 <laughs> years only because i nice said that ask I you <laughs> Um, all right, and the, the well, what's the other two then? You're talking about the, you that, that two was, other content. No, no, that was the one thing I had. Well, the other thing we ask all our guests is uh, if you could uh, go in a time machine, talk, see yourself at 13, give yourself advice at 13. What would what would you tell yourself? I would say, I would say, you probably want to make love to every woman that you said no to. <laughs> 
you had an opportunity to do it, just do it anyway because <laughs> life is short. You have no idea how much I agree with that right wow, now. Wow, I like it. Yeah, that, that, um, I did not think you were going to go that direction. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I don't know. I did, I, are we talking about business? No, it, right, it could be business. anything. No. no, no, it's anything. I mean, this show is – it, yeah, we're the number one business comedy up. business podcast in the world. <laughs> no, outside, like, basically have as much fun as you want and don't, don't – the fucked up thing is everyone at 13 is so worried about – like, you know, making mistakes and um, listening to your uh, your family and your family, you know, whatever. The thing is, at 13, I'd, I'd say no one knows the answers either. Even when they're older, they're just fucking going through it with you. So just, just know that even an adult is figuring out daily as well. So just have a go. Figure it out. Don't put, don't put you know, rely on, don't worry about upsetting or mess, messing up, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know, that's a common thread we hear from entrepreneurs on the show, where it's like, don't take shit too seriously when you're younger. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you you may have done that a little bit. I think everybody does. Um, I you know what, you I want to be taken my... seriously. You know, I think well, that's... I think males too also probably sure. have that. So, so yeah, so a big part of so I my my first business, my first bar, at the age of uh, thirty four, but I've been opening other people's businesses like I said, since I was 22, 23, and I was always waiting for the next piece of information that I felt comfortable to open my own business. And it's only after I opened my first one. And I, by the way, I opened it in Tampa in the beginning of the recession because I couldn't find a job. I was like, fuck, I must just do my own thing. And um, when I went through the process of opening, I was like, shit, is it that easy? You just have to learn this shit? Like, you know, and that's it. So, so, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, there's only so much you can learn as a manager or whatever. But the the, the nuances of ownership, you can't learn that unless you just do it. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's it, really. Experiential learning, you know, learn yeah. by doing. Uh, even if you yeah. you know you're gonna mess up, kind of thing. Yeah, I I dig it. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. I want to have you on again. You, yeah, we, we just kind of got to the first layer of the onion, so I feel like there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. Uh, you know, on this show that's pertinent so we'll have to have yeah. you on uh, where do we send people because you don't have a website uh, to, uh, to LinkedIn. social media yeah um you can you yeah get, linkedin pe- i guess people get get but, a hold of us to get a hold of you i'll i'll, I'll yeah I'll yeah you'll have to vet them for me you'll have to vet them so, for make sure that you know they tap the material you know <laughs> i'm happy i'm happy to do it if, if uh, people right, want to hit up the show and get to you we'll we'll filter them out we'll be the bouncers of the nightclub Love it. All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. See you later.